Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Oh, hello. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. This is a podcast. We ruin a horror movie just for you. Just for all of you. Hallie. I know. I just saw you. How you doing? I know. I'm good. I was just in New York. We had our very first actual ruined live show. Um, it was, of course, streaming at Moment House, if you all saw it. Yes. Um, but also, if you were in New York, you may have physically attended it. Um, please tell us we did a good job. I think it yes. went well. What do you think? I, think? I think it was super fun. It seemed like everybody had a really good time. You know, it was our first mm-hmm. pass at, like, what does this look like in front of other people? Also, like, not even live. We haven't been in person to record together since February of 2020. Yeah, we have not seen each other in damn, I mean, uh, uh, at least over three years, three yeah. and a half years. Well, we'd at this seen point. each other, but we hadn't done ruined stuff together. Oh, yeah, you're you right. Because I did see you when I was in New York. Yeah. But, but that's not enough. Uh, but it was spiritually, so. I, spiritually, we hadn't seen each other. Yes. Yes. In the ruined sense. Spiritually, I mean, yeah, exactly, podcastly. Um, but it was so great. Thank you so much for everyone who came out. Yes. Everyone who we met was so incredibly Ugh. kind and wonderful yes. and such a sweetheart. And we really appreciate it. Um, and if you watched it um, on Moment House, thank you yes. as well. Yes. Hopefully we're, that we're translated. Uh, yeah. And hope, like we're hoping to do more live shows mm-hmm. like in 2024 as we sort of figure out what that looks like. Because I was nervous because I haven't been in front of an audience in that way in so long. Mm-hmm. And and you pointed out, you're like, oh, I, you've done Love It or Leave It, which is true, but it's not my show, so I yeah. don't really care. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. I want to do a good job, but it's not, I'm not going right. Right. to beat myself up. Yeah, the stakes uh, aren't quite as yeah. high from an ego standpoint. So, Allison, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm finally almost done my traveling hell two months and uh, just have to go to Ohio this week, and then Missouri next week, and then I'm done. I don't have to go oh, anywhere good. anymore. <laughs> Where are you going? To, are you going to Cleveland? Cleveland and Columbus with Alana. Where are you playing in Cleveland? I don't oh, even I'll know. I'll tell my Cleveland friends. No, I don't okay, even. I think, there are, I think they've right, been sold out for a month already. Um, girl, well, girl can, can pack live a in house. Cleveland, hopefully you're already going. Yes. Um, and also by the time this comes out, I'll have done it and come back already. <laughs> you know, time. Perfect. Time. time, our old enemy time. Yeah. How was the flight back? What's what? Any? Oh, I slept. I slept wow. hard, and then I watched the Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada is my number one comfort. Put it on, having seen it a million times. It is a perfect movie. It's a perfect plane movie too. A perfect plane movie. My plane movies are Devil Wears Prada and Crazy Rich Asians. Because yes. I feel like I could watch twenty minutes of that, fall asleep for forty, wake back up, see the end. I've either one of those movies, and I'm good to yeah, go. Yeah, right. And they're both like. Interesting enough that if you're not sleeping, you're like, okay, I'm half looking at this. I'm paying for Wi-Fi and also just fucking around on my phone. Like, I'm not, like, you, yeah. you can half pay attention and still be, like, enjoying them. Absolutely. Yeah. I lo- those are great uh, choices. Thank you. I um, I try to 
do good in all things. I so that. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, speaking of doing good, we are, of course, doing the, the God's work by which we are, <sighs> I mean, we are using this month to try to scare Allison to death. Yes, the theme of this month is let's scare Allison to death. It hasn't worked so far, but I'm every day you're closer to death. <laughs> yeah, every day that you're closer to death, and that's kind of True. the same thing. True. So That's every um, month then moving- is scare Allison to death. There's, we were, we're doing a movie I've been wanting to see for a while, oh um, and it is a movie I ended up watching last night in the dark. Oh, my God. I can't, like, I didn't like watching the trailer in the light. Um, and I will say this is a haunting one. This is also a very grim, greasy English horror movie. Yes. Um, and that, of course, is 2018's Possum. Hmm. And I just wanted to say that it is uh, written and directed by Matthew Holness, which um, I don't know if you would have seen this, but he is the creator and star of a— he plays a character um, who is like a fictional horror author that is an incredible character named Garth Renge. And um, he did like a— it started as a stage show, but then it's sort of like a limited series. Or I guess every British show is a limited series. It's not like here where we have to like pump them out. But the show is called um, Darth Ringy's Dark Places. And he's on like a series of other ones. Hang on. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Sorry about Ugh. that. Um, it's like a horror comedy. And it's sort of like both about this horror show and also is like a mockumentary from the actors in it. That's and fun. it's very funny. And when I was in New York, I did a couple, um, like, storytelling shows where I was a fictional horror author. Oh, fun. And I feel like I should, like, reread something that I wrote. Because basically the entire joke, which I thought was so funny and nobody else really thought was that that great. And I respect their opinion. It's wrong. But the joke of my character was that I was just really bad at describing things. <laughs> so I'd be, like, reading <laughs> a description. was, like, really Wait, that's spooky. so funny. Thank you. I think it's unfortunately just one joke, so I really should have kept it short. It's like a yeah, five-minute yeah, yeah, joke. Yeah. You, that's- and this is like 10 minutes of me reading like a story. I'll try to find it. I did it for a podcast um, one time, and I'll try to find the link. But I thought it, I could, I, I bought a big hat to wear. Oh, sure. I was kind of going for like an Anne Rice, you uh-huh, know, like yes, absolutely. Southern Gothic. Uh, <laughs> and then I just, every time I had to describe something spooky, I did the worst possible job. That's like so that was like funny. Like an absolute fool. Um, yeah, well, maybe I'll try to revive that for the pod. But um, but this is a, 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 a um, something that I was familiar with, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And then to see this movie, this is not a horror comedy, Allison. No, this no, is no. straightforward, no. maybe. Nothing about it, this looks funny. And it's based on Holness's, uh a short story that he wrote of the same name that was published in the horror anthology, The New Uncanny, colon, Tales of Unease. And I fucking Tales love horror anthologies. Unease. Let us know your favorite horror anthology. I I I love them as kids. I've started to buy them again. Nice. Nothing nothing takes the edge off to than reading one spooky story at mm. a time. You know what I mean? I love I love anything that's like a sh- a, a short story, an essay, a a vignette. Just just easier for you to get. Yeah, my attention span you know I mean? is that of a goldfish. <laughs> um. So we, of course, uh, always like to have Allison watch the trailer. Allison, what did you think of the possum trailer? Very scary trailer. Also, the trailer, mm-hmm. it starts off and you're like, I think I kind of get what this is. Like, maybe there's some kind of demon. A, a boy goes missing. This guy either killed him or, like, sacrificed him or something. But then, like, 
spider legs, and then another guy, and a lot of like balloons with black air in that. It was, I did not like this. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of upsetting imagery. Yes. And again, I'm not saying you can't do a reboot or you can't use IP, but I do feel like the current trend, like people are relying on visuals from the original movies. Yes. When what we want is new, creative, course. unique, novel visuals. Right. And scares, of course. And there are a couple of visuals in here where I'm like, have I seen something similar? Yes. But have I seen this? No, I have not. And that. I like that. I give I this mean, movie not a this. lot of credit. And not for mm-hmm. me. But like, I'm glad. And, absolutely. And then most importantly, it was 85 minutes long, Ugh. which of course is the length a horror movie should be, as we've Eddie established movie. on this podcast. Um, we always like to take a baseline scary. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of a puppet you can't get rid of? Oh, boy. I don't like that at all. A Try pu- all you might, Honestly, Allison, a puppet I can't get, get rid, rid of, of is still pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, if you're on the Wikipedia, the, the main character is described as a disgraced children's puppeteer. If you can imagine what, what wow. area of scary we're going to enter soon. Got you it. Know? Um, so two thumbs down is what you're saying. Yeah, I would say that that's not something that I enjoy or ever want to hear How do you feel about, about puppets in general? I feel, of course, we did Puppet Master. Right, but those and are kind of a different is, breed. I don't know. I think maybe these are all breeding together. Oh, I think no. if you got the puppet from this this movie together with those puppets, they'd be fucking and sucking and making a bunch of monster puppets, unfortunately. Oh, I think they're the same species, yeah. Okay, well, I guess my biggest confusion is why we're calling this possum when clearly it's spider, but... I'll be absolutely honest. There's no reason um, other than that is the name of the puppet. There's It's never explained. That's so it strange. It is simply, yes. And I think this to me has like a, uh, it uses a lot of like childhood dream logic. So I think we're just supposed to okay. think like this is like a kid named a puppet that is yeah. as a child. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and would you like to guess the twist based on what you know about 2018's Possum? the twist. Oh boy. Would you say there's a, a twist? No, I would say, what, so it, it's so hard to say now because I'm like, my brain is so broken yeah. that I'm like, no, you see what's happening. But um, I'll, let's say there is, there's okay. not really. I, I'm going to, I guess there's a twist. Like there was a twist in devil. Does that make sense? Like it's a twist, but not right. It has okay. to end up somewhere. Sort of. Yes. Um, I'm going to guess that, like, we see them, like, from the perspective of, like, our main character, mm. that, like, there is a possessed puppet. It is controlling what's happening. But we fun- then find out in reality right. that's not happening and he just killed this kid. Like, he's imagining the puppet telling him what to do and then he murders on behalf of it. But he's really, it's like Son of Sam style. Like, that dog isn't talking. Perfect. Okay, great. And I also want to shout out the main character who's played by the actor Sean Harris. Mm-hmm. Who's been in a million different things? Um, he was in Prometheus, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, and Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, he's in a, t- a ton of different British projects. Uh, uh, obviously, this motherfucker—he is—it's literally him panicked, wordlessly scrambling around a muddy field for ninety minutes, and it's scary the entire time. He does an yeah, excellent he, job. He seems like he's killing it. He's knocking it out of the park, and the park being. Um, Trauma-based mm, mm. Ch- children's horror, uh, British terror. You know, mm, it is. Mm. It is. Oh, a, great. 
It's a, 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 a smudgy, smoky, wet little corner of a cinema, but he nails it. Yuck. So let's begin. Oh, and by the way, there's a lot of poems in this, so get ready. Put on your little poetry hat. Your poetry hat is a spider. Oh, it's a little, t- it's like a spider fascinator. <laughs> it's like, I feel like somebody's got one of those. Is it Dita Yeah. We open on our main character, Philip. He is standing, stocked still to feel his mouth agape, a look of horror, which is like what he looks like the entire time. And he basically starts at a 10 and has to ratchet it up to a 15, which is not easy for an actor to do. And Sean nailed it. Um, We hear in voiceover him reading a poem that says, Mother, father, what's afoot? Only possum black as soot. Mother, father, where to tread? Far from possum and his head. Suddenly it's nighttime and we see Philip standing over a leather duffel bag, which is sort of like in the crotch of a tree. Like the tree itself splits off low to the ground, as we saw in the trailer. And Philip, we hear him uh, read another poem. Here's a bag. Now what's inside? Does he seek or does he hide? Can you spy him deep within? Little possum, black as sin. And he, of course, kneels down to open the bag. And when he stands up, he looks silently horrified. Something ain't right with that bag, Elsa. I don't like it. I mean, it looks like a nice bag, but I don't want to know what's inside. Oh, it's a gorgeous weekender. I mean, like, you would, you yeah. or I would absolutely have that bag. So we get this incredibly terrifying credit sequence that we later then see throughout the movie, like, the images from the sequence. Okay. One of them is sort of like an abandoned army barracks. So we know we're going to see that at okay. some point. Don't go to an abandoned army barracks. There's, There's no need. that's going to happen there. You don't need to go. There's no reason for you to go to one. Exactly. We see Philip. He's dressed in like a travel trench, which we love. He's kind of got a look at the beginning. He has a look throughout, actually. I'm saying okay. this. He's standing over a bed, and he sees the leather duffel bag sitting there, and he's glaring. He's glowering it. And he takes his cigarette, and he puts it on the, out on the bag. That uh, on the train, we see he's got the duffel bag on the little table in front of him. He's still, he's obviously lost in thought. This is a man who spent his entire adult life lost in thought, basically. Mm -hmm. And he looks up and he sees some middle school boys chatting, you know, going nuts. And one of them is drawing. And at this point, we immediately know something bad happened to this guy as a kid, right? Like he is, and it's not like a malevolent stare at these kids. It's like I am carrying around my trauma from when I was your age stare, right? Yes. And uh, one of the boys, the boy's drawing looks up and sees my, Philip stare, staring and kind of like looks away. And when they're all getting out of the station, Philip tries to talk to him and say, oh, what were you drawing? But the boy's freaked out because I will say Philip, you know, and that's a lot of the movie is like he's clearly so isolated and he doesn't mean to be. But he does have a very menacing countenance. Countenance? Yes, he is like a scare. Like his vibe in this yeah. is scary. Right, so if you're like a 14-year-old boy, you're like, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and talk to this guy. I don't need this. And But then you also do feel bad for Philip. It's like, I do think that he means well. But mm-hmm. he has, do, do, well, we'll find out what happened in his childhood. He's, um, Philip has gotten off on the wrong foot in life, is sort of mm-hmm. how I would say it. Okay. And I feel terrible for him. He's socially awkward. He's isolated. And he's got his big duffel bag. So he goes to a home with boarded up windows. You love to see it, of course. And he uses his key to get inside. And it's super run down. We've got wallpaper falling off the walls, but there's obviously someone living there. And he puts his duffel bag down and he starts to slowly climb the stairs. We see bedroom, there's a bunch of uh, yellow and orange balloons. Yes. 
in front of a wallpaper with a pattern of boys playing with yellow and orange balloons. And then we just see this like dark black smoke start to emerge around the balloons, sort of like mm-hmm. originating underneath them. And we're seeing this, of course, as Philip is walking up the stairs to his own childhood bedroom. So again, in case we didn't know, Got he did it. not have a great childhood. We're not film critics, but we've seen enough of these to know exactly what we're picking up what the movie's putting down, right? Yes. We then see him leafing through a children's book, and we realize it's a journal. He drew this book, a very Babadook-esque. And so it's drawings of this spider-legged creature and then poems about the creature, which is named Possum. Okay. Um, we see the poems are sort of paper-clipped into the book, and one poem is titled, After the Fire, Possum. Mm. But then we kind of don't see the rest of the, the, the text. And we see Philip pick up a floorboard and put the book back underneath it. And when he goes back downstairs, his duffel bag is gone from the foyer and has been placed on a table in the kitchen. Philip calls out a name, Maurice. He enters the kitchen and he grabs the duffel bag and he takes the bag into the back of the house and he opens and he pulls out a gigantic spider puppet. And the legs span has got to be about six feet across. We do not see the spider's head. We just sort of see the legs emerge from the either legs, side of Philip yes. as he takes it out of the bag. And he furiously jams it in a barrel. No. And stuff storms back inside, and he throws the empty duffel bag in the yard next to the door. We then hear another poem. Bag is open, growing wider. What's inside? Man or spider? Mm. Little boy, don't lose your way. Possum wants to come and play. We see Philip exhausted, collapsed on a bed in his home, a fly crawling all over his sleeping face. And I will say I have a fly in my room. It's I need to get fly paper. It's killing me. That sound it's, is just like when it like kind of zooms by your head and it's like, it's like how dare you? This it is, is awful. it's a human being's home. Yes. Get out. Allison, when Philip wakes up, the spider puppet, which we now know is named Possum is lying stretched out beside him in bed. Basically staring no. him face to face. No. He throws it no, to the no, 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 no. The puppet has returned of its own volition. That's not great. You don't want to see, not from, no. Possum the spider puppet. And this is unfortunately what we realize he's been trying to get rid of this puppet for years. Yes. Is the puppet immediately recognizable as a symbol of his trauma? Yes. Yes. And yet... It is remains horrifying even knowing that this motherfucker is not going to be able to get rid of this puppet, right? Yes. So he jams Possum back into his duffel. Clearly he can't get rid of the damn thing. He's try, probably tried this a million times. He makes it down to the foyer. Before he goes out the front door, there's a closed door next to the front door. And he stands in front of it staring at it. And behind him, behind him we hear a voice saying, going in. And he turns and we see a grizzled old man, Maurice, his uncle who is standing inside the kitchen. And Philip says, no, and follows Maurice to the kitchen. And it's such a robotic, automatic no, and like a following of his uncle. Yeah. Like, this is the dynamic, right? Yes. The uncle, like, clearly the uncle is, they've established a routine since his childhood, and that is he listens to his uncle, right? Once they're in the kitchen, Maurice is like talking about how he loves Poss and the puppet. He's like, that puppet's really impressive. The legs are really, like, incredible. And he says, mm-hmm. what is it? Like, is it a sculpture? And Philip says, it's a puppet. And Maurice says, you show that to children? Philip says, no, I'm destroying it. And Maurice asks, even the head? Allison, we haven't seen the head yet. Right, no. Which really, 
ask some questions about what's going on with that head that we're bringing it up and we haven't seen it. Even the head, Allison? Even the head. Now, Did he as, make, or is the idea that he made this puppet? Yes. I think okay. we're to believe he made the puppet based on this character he created as a child that he okay. wrote about in his journal. So he is now, as an adult, disgraced children's puppeteer, um, made made this, made the actual creature. That makes sense. Yes. And so Maurice tells Philip, I heard about your performance. An old teaching colleague of mine wrote to me, a scandal by all accounts. So we don't get any information, but we okay. do know that Philip is a disgraced children's puppeteer. So I think we can assume that he made this puppet and had some sort of complete mental breakdown based on how yeah. he is acting now. Yeah, that tracks. But Philip says, no, they'll take me back once it's once that's gone. So I think he's saying he got fired essentially from school. And he's like, no, once I get rid of this puppet, they'll take me back in my job. That is yes. not how jobs work, especially no. jobs at a school. Yes. No, no, if, no, no, no. You're not just like, I'll, I'll figure it out and then it'll be fine. Yeah, if you terrify uh, children with a big spider puppet you made, I don't think they're having you back. Maybe a different school, but not this school. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, Philip takes a sip of tea and he spits it out violently. And Maurice, like, sort of tisks, it, tisks him. And he says, well, now you won't get anything from the jar. And we look, and there's a big jar, glass jar of, like, green hard candy inside okay. this glass cabinet. So sure. clearly, again, like, this is the candy that Maurice always gave him, always gave yes. his nephew. And Maurice says, can I get a demonstration of the puppet before you kill it? And Philip says, you can't kill it. It's a puppet. And Maurice says, burn it, will you? And Philip doesn't ask it, doesn't reply. Yeah. But he looks around. He's like, this place is disgusting, Maurice. And Maurice is like, wow, king of the castle, coming in here, critiquing my dump that I live in. And Philip starts to storm out. He's still got the duffel bag. And he says, remember, I want a demonstration of the puppet. We then see Philip smoking on a playground. He's on a swing set, deep in thought. Yes. And he sees a couple approach to the baby carriage. And again, it's like, clearly he's processing or not processing something that happened in his, his childhood. Yes, So of he doesn't mean to be creepy. At the same time, this couple he with the is- baby sees this guy literally fucking staring the daggers at them from 100 feet away, chain no. smoking alone with no child on the at a playground. playground. No, yeah. no, 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 um, no. We see him take the duffel bag in the woods and he keeps trying to abandon or burn or destroy possum. Okay. So we see him wandering through the trees, distraught, and then he, we don't see him ditch it, but he ditches it amongst these trees. So there's like a dark path in the tree. He looks at it. Next time we see it, the bag is gone. Okay. And we see him reading another poem and reading from the book. And again, we see it's hand-drawn, and we see sort of the adventures of, of Possum. And here's another poem. He reads, Look at Possum. There he lies. Children meet his lifeless eyes. See his nasty... Legs and tongue. When he wakens, watch him run. Mm. And that one says, watch him run, Allison. That's so weird that it was in that movie. Um, um, <laughs> Philip sits, we see Philip alone, possumless, sitting in the woods near the river. I have a quick question about possum. Yes, please. What, like, how Ask is away. it a puppet? 
Is it a marionette? Is I it- think we're to think it's a marionette. We okay. don't see it move, but it, it it looks like it is. The legs are attached sort of in a string-like way. Like the legs okay. hang yes. from the head. So okay. I presume when it's, it's operational, the yes. head's held up and then the legs are uh, mobile. But you're okay, right. Great. We never see him actually use the puppet. So I'm actually okay, not great. sure about that. No, I think that that seems likely. Um, we see him next to he's near the river and he keeps he's clearly he's there at dawn like the ground is covered in frost every time we see him it's, he's, it's like five in the morning and he hears in the woods a man's voice call Philip and when he looks up Possum is just sprawled on the bank in front of him Possum is back Possum is back back at the house he asks Maurice can you lend me your tools please no and there's also this horrible tension in this filthy house that's like suffocating between them yeah it, yeah, it's like all the scenes, like if there's sunlight, it's like that very like yes. yellow, dusty, like the air feels like so stale. Exactly. Like almost like, remember like before we had glass, they, people would make like oil paper um, yes. windows. It's like that yes. yellow diffused life. And Maurice makes a joke that he's eating roast fox. And we had seen that Philip saw a fox in the backyard so I think he's joking, but also maybe implying that he did catch and eat the fox in the backyard. Okay. And Philip, he says, oh, you're dismantling it? And Philip says, yes, I am getting rid of it. I'm taking it apart. I'm burning it. I'm destroying possum. And where he says, pity, puppetry is the one thing you were good at. It's like, okay, thanks. I don't know what to tell you. It's destroying my life, obviously. And Marie says, oh, you're staying here? And Philip says, yes, it's my home. So, yes, uh, I will be staying here whenever I want. Maurice then puts out, pulls out a wooden puppet with a carved men's head, man's head, that sort of looks like Maurice. It's like a, the puppet version, but like clearly is like a little, it's Maurice-like. Yeah. And he holds it up and says, my father taught me. Runs in the family. Aye. So he knows it's about child abuse, right? Of like, course. Yeah, now, like, right. That's okay, what we're talking runs about. in the family, right? And Philip retorts, you're not my father, Maurice. And Maurice is, he starts to well up. Like his eyes filled with tears. And he shuts the door, but not telling him, like, I want my tools back. Again, Philip goes to leave, and, and when he does, he looks at the closed door next to the front door, but he still does not open it. Allison, unfortunately, while getting undressed for bed that night, Philip hears on his little, he's like a little black and white TV, that officers are searching local woodland areas and waste grounds for a missing 14-year-old boy who was last seen on the train on his way home from Marshwood Secondary School in Fall Marsh. Allison, it is the boy from the train. Yeah. It's Michael. His name is, we find out later his name is Michael. The TV cuts to static and Philip shuts it off. Now, we haven't seen Philip do anything, but he right. obviously is extremely freaked out by this and doesn't know what to do. So, he's going to go do what he does every day, which is try to get rid of Possum. Um, it's like every day. It's, very, I, it's like Groundhog bastard. Day. Exactly. <laughs> and we see Philip walk through the park and we see these two hooligans yell at him, is that you, pervert? Mm, yeah, Philip, I mean, you would get that reputation with what he. He is been up never to. not running around, panic sweating, mouth agape with a spider puppet. Like, yeah. if you alone live this near town, children you're like, in playgrounds and schools. Like, okay, yeah, like Philip is back in town. The boys are back in town. The boys being Philip and his gigantic spider puppet. <laughs> Allison, Philip has gone to the local school. Oh, no. And he's just standing there staring at it. And a teacher comes out and says, hey, what, are you, what the fuck are you doing out here, man? And Philip says, this used to be my school. And the guy says, you got to move on, okay? Hey. And Philip says, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. And again, like any authority, he's immediately a child again. 
And right. he ru- physically runs off. Like he sprints off in his trench coat. And, you know, he's obviously, he's stuck in his childhood. He keeps going to these children's places, presumably because of the abuse in his house. We see what his uncle's like. He sees the home that he grew right. up in. So again, he's trying to get rid of possum. Possum is the manifestation of his trauma. Normally I wouldn't call it out, but like, that's what the movie is. And it's, it's almost like, I, I will, we'll get to the ending of it. I like that, that we're not spelling it out, right? Like we get it. You don't have, yeah. it's not heavy handed. It's like, you're watching a fairy tale. Like, you know what he's doing. He has a burden and it keeps crawling back to him. Like he yes. cannot abandon it. That being essentially like every day he thinks about being abused as a child or like whatever right. happened to him, which we'll find out. So he arrives at sort of the dark tree tunnel. We see the beginning and he throws the bag into the crook of the tree, which we saw at, um, at the beginning of the film. And we cut to him opening the bag. Someone yells his name and he looks up. and He's back in daylight. And knowing, again, panicking, he grabs the bag and he runs out of the woods. But hey, so that didn't work. Where is he going to go? He's going to go to the fields. There's a bunch of little bridges. He takes the duffel bag with possum and he throws it into a creek. Okay. And he begins if to walk If you can't home. burn the spider, drown the spider. Drown it. Just drown it. Just drown it. Hey, worth a shot. It's something. He throws it in the creek. Allison, he begins to walk home. He immediately tries to run and instead collapses into the mud, which covers his trench coat and is all over his face. Oh, God. And this poor bastard. Like, he cannot catch a break. I know. And we cut to this image of possum being drowned in a bucket of water. And we sort of see its head is, like, human-esque, but we don't get the full head yet. Yeah. And it's, like, clearly he's tried to do this before, but, like, he's going to keep going. Yeah. And he gets up out of the mud. He's gasping. And he runs back to the creek. Because that's the other thing we see is, like, there'll be some time where he can't leave it. He has to go back and get it. Yeah. He cannot find the duffel bag. He's splashing around the water. And most of it's pretty um, shallow, but then there's, like, a deeper area. So he's, like, up to his knees, and he's, like, fishing around. It's freezing cold. Ugh. And he climbs back on the bridge and he crosses to the other side where he finds Possum out of the bag, lying in the mud. And at home, we finally I'm see I'm like, possum. why do I feel bad for Possum in that I moment? I do too. Like, listen, it's, not, it's honestly not Possum's fault either. No. Uh, we see Possum hanging on the wall and we finally see his like a bald, pale bald human head. Oh my God. That it doesn't look exactly like Philip, but it's not not looking like Philip. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But it is a eyeless, hairless, feature. like it has a nose and, and eye holes, obviously, in yeah. ears. But we then hear Philip say, wait, wait, my little child, for what is playing dead? Possum with his black balloons will eat you up in bed. Philip, of course, lies in bed, fully clothed, staring at Possum. Great. And he gets up and he approaches it. We sort of see him back running across the bridge, running home, and then a bunch of black balloons floating down the street in front of their home. And he looks past the balloons and he sees in the window across the street a bald, staring face, Possum's face. Allison, he closes his eyes, trying to get one goddamn wink of sleep, this poor bastard. I I bet he gets no sleep, ever. He opens his eyes to once again find Possum laying next to him in bed, staring at him, stretched out alongside him. Allison, at this point in the movie... No. What would you do? What would you do? I think I would have to be like, I can't try and destroy this anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to just accept, you know, obviously yeah. like deal with your own trauma, like therapeutically in ways that you can, but like the possum itself. Right. 
I mean, I do think there is some value in going to therapy and talking about possum. Yes. But I agree. I think that, like, because this is more of, like, the fairy tale version of this story, I think there's, and maybe it's a very American inclination to be like, oh, I need to ground this in reality. I need to explain it. Because you're absolutely right. The reality is you have to accept it, whatever that looks like. You know, whether that's, like, actually seeking help or whether we just see, it's sort of like the Babadook, like, at the end, spoiler. Right. They have to live with it. And so they learn to have a better relationship with it. See, I thought for sure you were going to say the Allison special because I was like, this is untenable. Well, I mean, there's no other out. Like, you either have to, like, accept this, like, horrific life where Possum, the spider puppet, is, like, with you all the time. Um, Yeah. And thus also so is your childhood abuse trauma. But, yeah, other than that, I would kill myself. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Um, Philip rushes down the stairs. He's got possum back in the duffel and he finds Maurice in the kitchen reading the paper, holding his little carved man puppet and Maurice makes the puppet beckon Philip into the room. I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah. And he says, you want something from the jar? And again, we see this big jar of sweets inside a glass cabinet. They're all different shades of this very beautiful, like, glass green. And Philip looks at them for a minute. He says, what's in them? And Marie says, same as always. Oh. And Philip replies, no, then. Interesting. Yeah. Marie says, well, all grown up now. And we see Philip and, and Maurice. And the problem with their relationship is, like, Maurice is clearly the only person in Philip's life. Yeah. So it's, like, as disgusting and awful and, like, clearly as fucked up as this guy is and, like, obviously was a horrible caregiver, He Philip doesn't have anyone else. So yes, he's like exactly. He, he, he like, doesn't lights, even know anything else, it seems no, like. No, exactly. He doesn't. And Philip lights Maurice's cigarette. And, and um, Maurice says to him, tell me about the fox. And Philip tries to say no, but Maurice demands him to tell a story. So the story is that he and some other boys, when they were, again, probably in their in middle school, were out on the marshes, which we just saw with the bridges. Okay. And he sort of built a den out there where they were playing. When we got there, we found the fox. Thought it swallowed something because it was panting. Thought body was shaking like it was dying. And he started to kick it. All of them, yeah. And then they stuck things in it until it was dead. And they made Philip pick it up, and when he wouldn't, they shoved his face into the fox's corpse. 
Ugh. And he started to cry, and all the boys ran off laughing. Oh. The thing is, Philip says after a while, after they all left, the fox opens its eyes and stared at him, and then it stood up and it walked away. Allison, Maurice starts laughing so hard he could barely contain himself. What about that was funny? And he tells Philip, oh, sly bugger, he's just playing with you. And Maurice hands Philip this tin, like a, a cigarette holder. He said, I, I believe this is yours. And Philip says, yeah, like this house, Maurice. And Maurice ignores that, of course. Uh-huh. Says, you know, they're destroying the old barracks. It's about time. Black is sin over there. Philip, at the sound of uh, the mention of the barracks, goes ghost white. And he always looks bad, but he looks across, like by the end of this movie, it's yes. like, good lord. Like, Noticeably worse. Yes. And he grabs his double bag and he's about to leave. But again, he stops at the closed door in the hall. And Maurice asks again, going in? But Philip just leaves. Obviously, by the end of the movie, he will be going in that door. Like, we know that, right? Yes. Philip goes again to the woods, and we see him emerge behind the old barracks, which we saw in the opening credits. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to the barracks. Mm-hmm. And it's all abandoned, and he wanders around. He's got possum in his little bag. And in one room, we find some mattress covered in leaves and a faded beret that reads, Fall Marsh Youth Cadet. Okay. And we see him just sort of like, like every Boy room Scouts? is— no. Can we say it again? Is that like Boy Scouts? Yes. Like, I think it's supposed okay. to be like British Boy Scouts. So again, a young man, yeah. uh, a relic of a, a, a young boy's youth. And he wanders past literally pieces and of, of broken like metal and piles of scrap metal and mattress frames. Great. And I wrote, I'm Great. sorry, but this town is a dub. This it is a, is a dub. dub. And he goes out to sort of this like parking lot behind the barracks that's all broken up and overgrown with grass. And he takes Possum out, of course. Yeah, of course. And finally he lifts it by the head and sort of stares at each other. And he lifts Possum above his head. Allison, Phillips starts lowering Possum's head towards him. And for a second, I thought they were going to kiss. I thought they were going to kiss. Kiss. And at the last second, he doesn't kiss him and he hurls Possum away. Okay. And then he approaches the, the puppet right and he just starts furiously punching it and pummeling it. Yes. And I will say I like this movie, but a lot of it is just watching a guy kick a puppet's ass. I mean, great. And I have a lot of bandwidth for that, but just keep that in mind. There yeah. are certain scenes where like, well, he's just kicking that puppet's ass again. Well. Allison, Philip fills the duffel bag with bricks and puts possum in it before sinking it into okay. the, sort of the water reserve of the barracks. That's pushing something. it down with a board. It sinks... And that's the last we saw of Possum. Just kidding. You know that bitch is coming back. <laughs> you know that's demon Possum behavior. finds a way. Philip gets home and he calls for Maurice. And on the kitchen table is the Marshwood Evening News. And on the cover is the abducted kid. Mm-hmm. And it says, schoolboy abducted. And it's the kid from the train. Allison. Oh, sorry. That's not right. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. I was like, why haven't I put another what would you do? We already established that. Okay. <clears throat> As he gets ready for bed, Philip hears Maurice reading aloud from his journal, which he has clearly found under the floorboard, and says, Possum, How We Came Into the World, 1978, by Philip Connolly. And Philip, horrified, like, emerges from his bedroom and slowly makes his way down the hall to Maurice's room. As Maurice reads out loud, After the fire, Possum, was it he who blackened the very sun above our town? Possum, does his face not, sorry, does he not, does his stare not, sorry, Possum, does his stare not seem like the face of walking death? Behold how he came into the world. 
And Philip comes down the stairs, and it's very childlike. It's sort of like a child approaching their their parents' bedroom, right? And he finds Maurice reading uh, amidst stacks and stacks of paper. It's like, well, that's the fire hazard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just papers and boxes. And he says to Maurice, where did you get that? Maurice says, oh, it fell. A bitch, it fell out of the floor? Yeah, that, no. Nope. Luckily, Philip calls him a liar and snatches it from him. And Marie starts laughing at him, this horrible wheezing laugh. And Philip sits and smokes a cigarette. And Marie says, is it dead yet? And Philip ignores the question, says, you won't see me again, Maurice. And Marie says, people are talking, you know. Don't you read the papers? Allison, Philip asks him, why didn't you burn it, Maurice? Oh, sorry. Philip asks Maurice, why didn't you burn? Why wasn't it you? So why didn't you oh. die in the fire, Maurice? Oh, yeah. And Maurice just laughs and laughs and slowly starts coughing and wheezing. That's pretty much oh. that guy's pastime, is coughing yeah. maniacally until he, he starts coughing. He loves a cough, a wheeze. You gotta. A, yeah. Back in his room, Philip pages through his possum journal, and he finally starts to cry, which I hope I'm like, oh, this guy needs, like, oh. some relief. Yeah. And he lays down, and he puts his hand on his journal and shuts out the life. But when he goes to sleep, he keeps his hand on his journal. Obviously, he doesn't want Maurice to take it anymore. Yeah. The next day, we see Philip go look at the train station. So, so kind of looking around and ends up back at the barracks eventually. And we see inside the tin, the cigarette tin that Maurice gave back to him, we see his hand-rolled cigarettes and then also a photo of Philip's parents. Okay. Who, of course, have died. And we, as soon as we see the parents, we see, we zoom in on that perpetually closed door, which we can assume is their bedroom. Yes. And we see, Philip is, uh, Possum is nowhere to be seen. We know that Philip's trying to ditch him again. Philip is walking at frosty dawn and he finds a frozen fox corpse next to the path. Mm. Allison, he walks by. When he turns back, the fox is alive and watching him. Okay. Of course, Philip arrives back home. He calls for Maurice, no answer. And he goes to his room, and you better believe Possum's back, baby. He's hanging on the wall. Possum is not missing the opportunity to come hang out. No. He's a great hang. <laughs> As we sort of see the dawn break over this, that freezing, muddy field that we've seen Philip in, we, see, we hear him say, Happy Valley painted black. All the children in a sack. Wave goodbye, the sun and moon. Say hello to Black Balloon. Mm. At home, we see Philip light his lighter. And for a second, you think he's going to burn his possum journal. But instead, he stands up and he looks face to face with possum on the wall. But before he could burn him then, he hears Maurice coughing, you know, coughing and moving things around in the backyard. Yeah, Maurice yeah, yeah. Pastime. He's like, I got to do some wheezing. Do you mind if I do it in here? <laughs> exactly. And what will help with his wheezing is that Maurice is burning a bunch of papers in a barrel in the backyard. They're burning Great. barrel. Great. He's just inhaling all that smoke. So Philip joins him and drags Possum over to the barrel. Maurice gives him a cigarette and lights it for him. They smoke. And we see Philip po- uh, clutching Possum. And I think we see Philip clutching Possum. And I think this is like an important moment because he's always sort of like repulsed by or like pushing Possum away. Yeah. And then with his uncle, he's literally holding, clutching Possum like a teddy bear. So I think it's also like this is this is a creature he made during yes. childhood, as a, it's horrifying, but it is protective in, in yes. a lot of ways. Comfort, right? yeah. And so we see the Maurice of the paper he's about to burn is the paper with the missing boy Michael on it, and says, "Well, you remember Philip? This happened before during your time, after the fire." 
And I looked and, you know, it's your school. I taught you there once, remember? That business with the fox. After that happened, a colleague asked me to come in and teach you boys a lesson. And we showed them, didn't we? Petrified they were. Phillips like doesn't reply. It said yeah. takes possum. Again, the physical manifestation of everything we're alluding to here. Puts possum in the burning barrel. And Maurice hands him a shovel and Phillips smashes possum down into the fire. And as Philip sobs, Maurice recalls the details of the abduction that happened when Philip was a, a kid. Okay. He says, stuffed them all inside a bag, didn't he? Wore a mm. mask. And Philip's sobbing. And Maurice says, I had no idea. I'm sorry. And actually apologizes. Okay. And he hands Philip one of the sweets from the jar and says, I had no idea. And Philip takes it, but he starts gagging. And he st- storms away. And Maurice watches as the possum burns. Unfortunately, Allison, that night, Philip wakes up to footsteps coming up the stairs. Little tiny footsteps? Um, no, unfortunately, adult man's footsteps. Oh, man. I wish they were little spider footbeds. At this point, I would take take possum. Yeah, I would take possum over any other character any day. (laughs) Yeah. And we see the black balloons. Oh, sorry. We see the orange and yellow balloons enveloped in smoke again, sort of becoming blackened. Yes. And we see scenes of possum sort of moving of his own volition through the mud, through the, the, the barracks. And we see a long shot of the doorway downstairs that's never opened. And in his dreams, Philip takes a pale green candy from Maurice's big jar and eats it. Mm-hmm. As this pounding continues, and the sound is kind of underpinning everything. And in his dream, at the end of the bed is the duffel bag. And okay. Possum emerge, emerges from it and then suddenly crawls quickly up the bed and Philip wakes in a panic. And when he does, he looks down and sees there's a spider crawling across the floor. A regular one. He, he wakes up, or just a regular spider. Standard spider. It doesn't know what, he, the spider's like, this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. I just happen to be here. Yeah, well. wrong place, wrong time. He hears, he continues to hear the pounding and we realize it's not pound, it's not footsteps. There's somebody pounding at the front door. It's the middle of the night. He starts to descend the stairs, and we hear a police radio outside. And we see a flashlight being shined in. Oh, no. He sort of stays on the landing, and the cop eventually leaves. It's the middle of the night. But, of course, the police have come to talk to him about the abduction of the boy. Yes, of course. But when the police leave, leaves Allison, he still hears the pounding. And we see it's not wasn't footsteps coming up the stairs. It wasn't the police at the door. The pounding is coming from inside the room with the eternally closed door. And Allison, I now ask you, who will survive? Who will survive? I hope Philip survives. Mm -hmm. And that he, you know, I guess like spider, possum the spider, spider the possum, possum the spider, um, Mm -hmm. will maybe eventually be destroyed as he comes to terms with his own yeah. personal history. I think how Maurice, Maurice? Do you think Maurice will die? Getting out here alive? I think he'll die. Mm-hmm. And, and what about the M- Michael, kid? the abducted boy? Mm, I think he's going to survive. Okay, great. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. 
Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Philip goes back upstairs to sleep, and in the morning he goes down to open that damn door and say what you will about Philip. He's not, he's not, not trying. Yeah. He's not trying to, he's trying to figure this the fuck out and move on. But before he could get the door open, he chickens out and he goes to the kitchen. But Maurice is nowhere to be seen. Upstairs, he turns the TV on and he sees a police reporter talk about the abducted boy. Allison, the police say they're looking for a man who they think they could be a suspect. Officers are investigating reports of a man acting suspiciously near woodlands and waste ground, close to a former military barracks in the area of Full Marsh. See, this is why you don't do that. You Even can't. if you have because uh, we like all you want to. Okay? You are suspect one. Yes. Every time. When you are frantically open mouthed sobbing, running around in a filthy trench coat in a small town, like people do notice. I'm yeah, sorry. With a bag that has a giant spider. Spider that you're like frantically trying to drown. Yeah. Yeah. It just it's a bit like even if you have nothing to do with a crime, it's just a tough look. Yeah. And they also say that this man has been seen with the boy. Oh, no. And we flash back to them on the train. Okay. Phil runs over and shuts the TV off, and then he heads out to the bridges. He goes to the bridges. He goes, goes to the to barracks. The you literally just see him, like, go revisit every place. Allison, when he gets to the barracks, the cops are there, clearly looking for Michael, clearly being like, okay, yeah. so somebody maybe saw this guy wander out of the barracks. Did he throw Michael in the water? Did right. They, he, is he stashed somewhere, hopefully, you know, oh, alive? God. Philip goes home and he starts searching in the barrel for possum. So he's not looking for Michael. He's looking for possum. He, he's he needs possum, possum back. He needs he, possum. Yeah, because possum is his constant companion. Maurice yes. shows up and says, someone came here looking for you, the law. I told them you weren't here. But don't worry, he'll turn up. And Philip's like, turn up? How will it turn up? We burned him, referring to possum. Yeah. And Maurice says, no, 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 you're confused. Maurice tells him, I'm going away. And when I'm gone, don't bring trouble home. These bloody kids. Allison, Philip heads back oh, to boy. his old school. And he finally works up the courage to go inside. And this scene fucked me up. It's just so sad. Because he's he's having a breakdown. Like, he's sobbing, yeah, yeah. he's sweating, he looks awful. And he's talking to, like, the office assistant. And he says, could I talk to Mr. Grant? He was my form teacher when I was here. He knows all about what happened. And he told me he'd go to the police with me. So again, Philip clearly confided in a teacher at the time of the abuse. Okay. And then nothing happened. So I don't Great. know. We don't know whether he didn't want to go, whether the that it, the teacher ended up not going with him. But someone did know he did tell a teacher, and the teacher told him to go to the police. And now Philip is there. He just needs help. He's, he can't think yeah. of anybody else. And the officer's just like, okay, just wait right here. And he goes, but of course he could hear through the door, and he hears Mr. Grant say, okay, will you call them? And I'll keep him here. 
Okay. He's calling the police, of right? Because they're right. all assuming, like, He's oh, fitting okay. the suspect portrait exactly. that they painted. Yeah. Allison, poor Philip, goes back to the abandoned barracks. Oh, no. And he holds the photo of his parents, and it starts to rain black soot. And he looks down, and it's just black rain pouring all over him. And no. it's like a grief, abuse, like the inescapable, like, agony of what has happened to him. And he goes back to the field, and he runs through the woods, and we see Possum chasing him. And he keeps seeing these different scenes. He's wake, he wakes up again in the barracks, and we see Possum's long legs appear sort of down from the roof. Yeah. And these are all images we saw earlier in his dream, sort of like oh, Possum okay. mobile, because we've never actually yes. seen Possum. Like, I don't think On he, he actually can move. Yeah, like, I think these are all, like, the, 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 the barrier between his dream life and waking life yes. is starting to dissolve as he's, like, lo- slowly losing his mind. Um, and also the barracks is like soaked and leaking and like he finds outside possum lying on the concrete and he's sort of sitting on the duffel bag. And finally, Philip falls to his knees in front of possum and possum reaches up his little spider leg and puts it on Philip's shoulder. I kind of like love possum now, even I do though he's too. a you know, manifestation of horrific yeah. trauma. And I think that's what we're supposed to think. Like he puts his little hand on Philip's shoulder and then Philip wakes up and he chokes out and he spits out the green candy his uncle gave him. Uh-huh. And we hear more, now Maurice is reading the poem. It says, open the parcel, out it sprang. The black-legged long possum man. Children run, he'll eat and smother any child without a mother. And I think like both like, Possum give, comforting him a lot, like allowing him to expel this green candy that his uncle has been putting inside him. Mm-hmm. Now Philip has broken from his yes, life. That pattern. So when yeah. he comes back to the house, he's enraged. He's not sad. He's not apologetic. Okay. He's not passive aggressive. He's screaming, Maurice, Maurice. He's tearing the house apart looking for the uncle. He can't find him. So he starts slamming his own head against the wall. And we see Possum look at him. And I don't know if we're... Because, like, obviously it's shot in a certain way. But when we finally see Possum's head back at him, it is Philip's face. It is, like, a ghostly inverse version of him, right? Philip is finally breaking. Like, he's breaking from reality, but he's also breaking from the reality that he's been in. Which is, every day is a struggle. He's white-knuckling it. The only thing he's been able to cope is to create Possum. Now he's breaking out of it. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, means he has to go to the closed door of the room he cannot go in. Yes, he must. And he opens it, and we see the room is completely burned and has never been fixed. So there's soot everywhere. Mm-hmm. It is, of course, his parents' room. Yeah. There's soot and ash on every surface. There's a headboard with no mattress and a bunch of like, clothes just on the ground. He finds a jar full of teeth. Oh, what? And he turns, and out of the shadows leaps a man in a mask who wrestles Phillips to the ground. Before moving his mask. It's Maurice, obviously. Yes, of course. And he says, come to see mommy and daddy. Dirty boy playing with the dead. And Philip immediately, like, is Ugh. a child again. Like, Philip yeah. is sobbing. Of making, course. No, no. Of course, as anyone would be, you know, in that moment. And he starts berating and slapping and punching Philip while he's on top of him. And he says, don't worry. Uncle Maurice is here with his fingers. Have Ugh. you missed my fingers? Have you missed them? Philip, of course, says no. No. No so one Maurice misses says, his fingers. Open up and then jams his fingers into Philip's sobbing mouth. Ugh. And Philip, Maurice screams, turn over, trousers down. And he tells Philip, you knew it was me out by the barracks. You knew I worked everywhere. And now they're hunting you. 
which I think we're to believe, like, you knew when that abduction happened when you were young that it was me. You right. knew when those boys were abducted that what, uh, you know, the man in the mask, that was me. You know I abducted this boy. Yeah. But now they're hunting you. Right. I passed this on to you, basically. Yes. And Maurice takes off his belt. He just starts beating Philip's bare ass with a belt. Ugh. And I wrote, I'm going to need Possum to come and fucking kill this guy. Yeah, just rip Maurice limb from limb because that's the, exactly. what he and deserves. Exactly. And that's what I thought was going to happen. But yeah. as Maurice starts to, like, beat him, he's like, I'm going to give you, like, cl- a classic six. Is like, whipping him six times. Six times. Philip hears something moving in the trunk. And in that moment, he hears it and he realizes Michael, the boy, is in that trunk. Oh. And that gives him the strength to wrestle Maurice to the ground. Yeah. And he sits there's like on him. Something yeah. to fight for. Exactly. He sits on him. And when he sits on Maurice's lap, basically, Maurice says, Can you feel that boy? And starts laughing. <sighs> Philip looks at Maurice, Allison, and he looks down and he snaps this motherfucker's neck. Okay. And he goes to the trunk and he opens it, revealing Michael, the abducted boy, who is alive, very freaked out, obviously. I mean, and he scrambles away and runs out of the house. Yeah. And we end on Philip in the backyard, holding the head of Possum the puppet, staring in the middle of the distance, but he does look a lot better. The end. Okay. Yeah. Allison, what are I'll some fatal it. mistakes? I'll take okay. it. What are some fatal mistakes you think were made in the movie Possum? Fatal mistakes. I mean, as always, processing trauma. Yeah, I'm going to say the main mistake was having Maurice as an uncle. Yeah, like still being there. Yeah. Not, also, that, it, not that it's like on Philip right. to like know to be like, I have to disentangle myself from my abusive uncle who uh, abducts and murders people, including my yeah. family. Like, but. You know, Maurice sucked. Yeah, and the <laughs> implication about the parents' death is, like, they died in a fire in their room, but then you see Maurice smoking in a room full of papers, and I took that to be, like, maybe he it wasn't intentional, but he did set that fire, die. and they oh. died because of it. So yes. I don't think it was, like, I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be arson. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's, like, his negligence led to the parents' death, yes. which then set up Philip to be raised in a sexually and physically and psychologically abusive home. yes. Listen, honestly, considering all that happened to him, becoming a disgraced children's puppeteer is actually pretty good. I, honestly, I mean, also, thank God for Possum the Spider, who at least is a representation of that. Yeah, it is sort brief. of like, it, and it is like the Duke, where it's like at the end, yeah. I thought Possum was going to come and just start kicking ass, which I was really yeah, excited about. I was really ready for like a big Possum fight scene. Yeah, but maybe it was, it had to be uh, Philip because he's like taking his power back. He's he's doing the thing that he wished he had done. Yes. Um, rather than having the puppet um, do it for him. I don't even know if the puppet really could. And I'm glad that Michael the boy was abducted. I am concerned he will tell the police that it was Philip. But yeah. I think that uh, given the fact that there's all this history of abduction, he could pretty clearly point to the uncle doing it. Yes, yes, and, yes, And um, I hope that they catch him a break. And other than that, though, I mean, what are you going to do if a puppet keeps coming back to you? I mean, like, yeah, I, I mean, think a lot of us would get stuck in that cycle, you know? Easily. Um, and then finally, where would you put possum on the spooky scale, Allison? The spooky scale. Boy, this, I'm going to give this an eight. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's um, tough. Like, the subject matter is tough. The visuals are tough. 
it feels like you never get to really like exhale. Yeah. So eight for me. What about you? I'm going to give it a six. I think it's very disturbing. Mm. Um, But in terms of being scary, I think it definitely falls more on the like extremely sad side of things. With like at a certain point, um, you know, or I I felt like, well, the puppet's not going to do anything to him because he already Mm. would have, right? So a lot of it, I was like, okay, well, it's not going to be the puppet. It's going to end up being something with his uncle who was so obviously a malevolent figure. That to me, it's almost like when he was running around, it was almost kind of like a break from like being back in the house. Yeah. And so, but I really liked it. It was just more of like a dread, like a spreading dread versus scary or spooky. Um, Which again, I wouldn't recommend if you're someone who doesn't like scary either way. Like I think that it is. Yeah, it's still a tough sell if. Yeah. Yeah. And visually terrifying. Visually really, really horrifying. Yeah. Um. So I would say uh, that would be, I'm going to go with a six. Yeah. Okay. Six. That feels good. Averaging to a seven between us. Absolutely. Um, Well, thank Um, you everyone for joining us. This is, uh, again, not doing it. We didn't succeed in scaring Allison to death, but uh, the the mission continues. We're getting getting closer closer. by the day. This was a a really good one and one I didn't know existed. And I guess now I do. Yeah, and I like, I, again, I feel like there's so many movies where they sort of have to spell out the trauma. It's like, you don't have yeah. to exploit, like, just give us, like, a little bit. We could give piece us a together nod. the rest. Yeah, yeah well, you don't have to be so on the nose with it, you know. Agreed. Yeah, this was nice. This feels like a nice adaptation of, like, kind of showing that. Yeah, like, if you're going to be about trauma, the movie's about trauma. Then that, like, right. let's fucking get into it. It's not, I'm going to say out loud the, what happened or, like, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I think I just saw the fly in your apartment fly oh, by the camera. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's right here. I'm going to kill him. Kill or, him. I, it, I guess. They. Yes. Um. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Yes. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that one. That was a, that was a, a greasy, grimy, tough one. Yeah. Um, but I really sure. enjoyed it. Really, really well done. Um. Okay. Um. Until next time, everyone, yes. please, please do your best, as you always do, to keep, keep it spooky. Don't forget to follow us at Ruin Podcast and Crooked Media for show updates. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Ruined is a Radio Point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Livey. The show is executive produced by Alex Box, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producer is Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Sieglin, Julia Beach, Caroline Dumphy, and Ewa Okolati. In Let's Make a Horror, three comedians will make you laugh while they try to make you scream. Over 10 episodes, hosts Maddie, Mark, and Ryan will learn what it takes to make a truly frightening horror movie. They'll meet the creators who make horror such an enduring genre and take a stab at their own short, shocking film. Listen to Let's Make a Horror everywhere you get your podcasts. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.